comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. My name is Oliver Queen. After five years in the house, I returned home with only one goal, to save my city. But my old approach wasn't enough. I had to become someone else. I had to become something else. I had to become the Green Arrow. When I was a child, my planet Krypton was dying. I was sent to Earth. I work with my adoptive sister for the DEO to protect my city from alien life and anyone else that means to cause it harm. I am Supergirl. My name is Barry Allen, and I am the fastest man alive. To the outside world, I'm an ordinary forensic scientist. But secretly, with the help of my friends at Star Labs, I fight crime. I am the Flash. I'm here because the future of the world is in peril. Because of a man named Van Gogh I chose you eight to travel throughout time to stop them. You got the wrong guy. Hero in on my resident. Where I'm from, you aren't just considered heroes. You're legends. Hey everybody, welcome to the DCTV Podcast, episode number 70. Uh, in keeping with our uh, our theme of the past few episodes, we're kind of changing things up again tonight. Uh, Mr. Daryl Taylor cannot be here with us because he's part of the uh, the Thanksgiving Day Parade. He's going to be Captain America's shield polisher um, in, the, in the Washington, D.C. Parade. And uh, Chubb can't be here because he is moving to a new undisclosed location. Uh, I think it's on in, inside an active volcano, if I'm not mistaken. I know it's not got, it's a Teen Titan power. That's all I know. He's got the I know he's got the sharks with the freaking lasers. Oh yeah. But uh, joining me instead is, uh, as you can hear, the the lovely and talented the Jim Beard herself, uh, uh, Miss uh, Jerry Atkinson. Yes, that would be me. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, joining us as a guest tonight, want to go by Q, or do you want a full name, or anything you want to promote? Uh, go right ahead. It's Q. Q. Uh, this is Q, Comic Nerdgasm. I'm one of the Ant-Mans there. Buddy and I, we created it, you know, just to give nerds a forum for everything nerdy. But uh, obviously comics is somewhat at the forefront, but we do a little bit of everything, man. Video games, all that stuff. Uh, we offer a comic book reading club, and we give out prizes for battle debates, you know, versus battles for uh, members and stuff like that. Oh, you join this group on Facebook, right? On Facebook, right? The Book of Faith? Yep, Comic Nerdgasm. Okay. What was the last book you did on your uh, reading club there? Uh, oh my god, the last one before. Well, right, right now we're doing World War Hulk. Oh, nice. Yeah. A lot, I guess a lot of that's going to be tied into the new Thor movie, from what I've heard. Rumor has it, anyway. Yeah. Oh, you know what the last one was? Was Injustice, actually. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Cause he, oh, he that was super underrated, oh. man. A lot of people missed out on that. Yeah, it, was, uh, it, was, it really was. It was a good. Tom Taylor wrote that, right? I think Tom Taylor wrote most of that. That was really underrated. That was kind of a cool Elseworlds story for sure. We did year one. Um, well, we're back to the uh, the regular uh, world of DC TV. I know last last episode was kind of a trip. Um, <laughs> we were Q, you weren't there. We recorded live at Heroes Con in uh, Jerry's hotel room after being at the bar all night. So yeah. it was quite quite the interesting episode, as you can imagine. <laughs> Okay. But in the time we've been gone, we've missed out on a lot of news, a lot of DC TV and movie news. And I'm just going to hit the highlights here real quick before we get to the preacher recap and then our our Justice League episodes for the week. 
um, which would be uh, Paradise Lost, the Wonder Woman centric uh, one, and uh, War World um, with Mon- with Mongol, which was really cool. The biggest thing that's happened, I think, in, in DC TV, Netflix and the CW are getting together to make a, a billion dollar deal. Oh, wow. Um, that's going to cut out Hulu, I guess, and get the whole seasons of their shows on to Netflix faster. So, like, right now, I guess they, they have the thing where, you know, once the whole season is aired, they afford a six-month waiting period, and then it ends up on uh, on Netflix. Usually, the last season shows up about the same time the new season starts. Yes, that's what I was noticing about Arrow. Right, they did that with Arrow, and they did that with uh, with Flash this last season as well, when the second season started, the first started. But this is uh, an over-billion-dollar deal. It'll cut out Hulu. They'll air them. Um, like within the, they'll air, they'll air them normally CW, and then within the next week, um, uh, Netflix will have them, and then they'll have the whole uh, the whole season at the end of that uh, a lot quicker. Now Hulu again only offers I think the last five or six of the season. They don't offer the whole season right. as it happens, uh, just like maybe the last five or six episodes. So this would be really great for doing rewatches. Um, I know last season on the Flash, I went back and watched a bunch of the old episodes just so I could get you know, some of that backstory up to speed by the time I got to the finale. You know? Up to speed about Flash. I'm sorry. Yeah, up to speed. Uh-huh. Pun intended. Yeah, I totally, totally pun intended there. Okay, good. So what do you think? Do you like it the way it is on Hulu now, or do you think it would be better off on Netflix with, I mean, with so much other content? I mean, what are, you, what are your thoughts? I'm biased. I have Netflix. I'm pro-Netflix. I, I love just watching, just taking whole, you know, weekends and, binge watching stuff so i'm, I'm oh, totally. on netflix yeah yeah actually i have to say the same thing because uh, i'm i totally oh dude i live on netflix sometimes yeah. you know, well i uh we have both um i i have kids so they they like to watch a lot of the stuff on um, hulu yeah. and a lot of the newer stuff and um it's it's kind of like a, a good way to not have to have a dvr because if i miss a show it's on hulu pretty much like 90 percent of the shows i watch are on hulu okay so uh, I mean I could you know I I have both so I'm really I don't have like a dog in the fight or whatever but I just I think Netflix does a better job of of putting more episodes in HD than Hulu does. That's true. Does Hulu faster? Hulu puts them up like the next day. Oh, like okay. if they air on like Flash airs on Tuesday and then Wednesday morning at six a.m. Hulu has them. Whereas Netflix waits until the season's done and then they'll. Right, and this deal is going to change all that if it goes through. Okay. I mean, they're putting a lot of money. Um, Toward this and stuff. We also got the uh, the fall premiere dates of our CW shows for the fall. Uh, real quick, The Flash debuts October 4th, Tuesday. Uh, Arrow, the next night, October 5th, Wednesday. Um, a week after, Supergirl debuts on Monday, October 10th. And then Legends of Tomorrow returns on the following Thursday. No date yet for the return of iZombie. I'm thinking oh, they might be holding, I'm holding off on that. I know you don't care, Jerry, but our, our <laughs> listeners do. Sorry. That it's funny. When we were at Heroes, I had two different people uh, talk to me about iZombie and how much they love the show and nobody ever talks about it except us. Oh, good. So, That's good. Okay. And Wendy Freeman. And Wendy Freeman was like, and that, and that witch Jerry. <laughs> Jerry is it. the specialist on DC shows. I don't know if you, I hope you guys in well you probably did already cover this but I'm I'm super curious what do you think the changes will be to Supergirl on you know from CW you know from AB or from NBC you know just the swap in networks well the biggest thing is going to be budget right 
If the biggest factor is going to be the budget, they're not going to have as big a budget for special effects as they did on CBS. That'll probably be, but I mean, if you look at the Flash, and you look at Legends, they've done okay. Yeah, they do. With, with their, you know, the special effects departments they have. So, I mean, I don't know. I think it's going to, it'll be cool if they bring it into the same universe, uh, you know, every once in a while, have those crossovers like they do with Flash and Arrow every once in a while. That Flash Supergirl crossover episode was great, and I'd love to see more of that. Oh, it was joyful. Um, that, that just really made my season. Absolutely. And I think Supergirl's kind of kind of hit its stride as the season went on. It's kind of in, in, you know, in its zone now. So I think I'm really interested to see what they do with season two. Me too. Speaking of which, Linda Carter has been cast as the president of the United States on Supergirl. That is badass. Season two. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> wow. That's, that's pretty great. Yeah, I'm a fan. Um, they also, um, uh, Zack Snyder and company had a press junket for people to go on the set of Justice League uh, and meet, among other people, your boyfriend, Jerry, uh, Mr. Momoa. Okay. <laughs> and um, they got some on set. Uh, they got to see a first clip of Barry Allen meeting Bruce Wayne in the movie. Um, Snyder actually admitted to the press, he's like, you know, okay, I get it. You know, this will have a little lighter hand. So, I mean, we'll see. I don't know. I'm I'm still Suicide Squad is where my mind is right now as far as the movies. Um, Same here. Absolutely. I mean that's that's what I'm looking forward to next. Uh, uh, Chad Coleman, who played Tyrese on The Walking Dead, will be the new villain in season five of Arrow. I'm so excited! I'm so excited now to have him Damian back. Dark is gone. Yeah, yeah, he's a good actor. <laughs> he really he's so is. Very yeah, he is. He's I was always. Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Is he they haven't said. The only that he was cast. Um, they'd mentioned earlier that they wanted to have like a um, a character similar to Stringer Bell from The Wire, like a, a crime lord, like a black mask type of character. Um, I could see Coleman pulling that off for sure. So that'd be cool. I don't know. We'll see. Um, we also got casting Maggie, Maggie Gay has an adult Poison Ivy uh, on Gotham, even though they already had a kiddo. Say what are we? How is that going to play out? Are they going to jump? Time at some point during the episode, or I, I, uh, I just think well, they never came out and said that she was poison ivy. You know what no, I mean? No, no, but you kind of got you know when they did the same thing, they did the the bait and switch with the Joker too. So I guess they right. could, why not? All right. We got a new uh, vixen on Legend of, uh, Legends of Tomorrow, uh, Maisie Richardson Sellers. She was in uh, Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Right. Uh, it was one of the pilots. Interesting. Um, I'm, I'm glad that character is going on to Legends. That's pretty great. Why did they swap actresses? Um, Megan, long last name I will totally mispronounce if I try to, uh, had a prior engagement. She's making a film um, and would not could not be a part of the show because she's making, making a movie at the same time. So scheduling, totally scheduling conflict. Um, she was great. I thought she was great as Vixen. Vixen's all. I've always. She's always been one of my faves. Always. Very. She, she's underrated in my opinion. I always liked her in the animated series, and I liked her version on Arrow. So. Tom Felton from the Harry Potter series. Draco Malfoy, I guess. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's going to be joining the cast of the Flash. He's going to be a rival of Barry's. He's going to be a rival CSI, who thinks there's something up with Barry. Hmm. Um, hmm. Could there possibly be something up with Barry? I don't know. <laughs> And then uh, <laughs> the, final, the final thing is the hot the hot rumor that we somebody posted on the DCTV uh, podcast uh, Facebook group. If you want to join us, we're over 200 strong now. It's awesome. Come hey. join us. I want to. Uh, it's 
the the hot the hot rumor. Everybody ready for a hot rumor? <laughs> yes. Get your fans ready. Turn on your ACs. There's a hot rumor. Okay, this is gonna be. <laughs> um, DC will be delving into the world of Darkseid and using the new gods quite a bit in their future film projects. Now, I don't know if you've seen the extended version of Batman v Superman with the Steppenwolf stuff. That's really not a big deal because they've already kind of, you know what I mean? They had the right. Omega thing in that dream sequence. They had Steppenwolf in the uh, extended scenes, you know, talking to um, Luthor, you know, so. But I guess they're going to go, like, hole in, like, new god, like lots of new gods. Hmm. Um, and they're talking to George Miller about it. About making a new guy's film, uh, who directed, you know, Mad Max Fury Road, the Mad Max movies, of course, and don't forget Happy Feet and Bay of Pig in the City. So. Oh, really? Yeah, he's a very multi-talented director. I mean, <laughs> he did Fury Road and Bay of Pig in the City. you got to give it to him, man. <laughs> Miller has been courting for doing a DC project for a while. Like, they were thinking about giving him Man of Steel 2 back when there was an idea for a Man of Steel 2. So, you know, that is adding more fuel to the rumor fire. So, I guess we'll see. I don't know. Well, how do you guys feel about the new gods? Like, don't like, neutral? I, I, I'm waiting to see what they do on the screen. I'm reserving judgment. I usually do that. I don't want to get my hopes up too high. I don't want to naysay before the time comes. I just want to see what they do. I, I the same way, but I also feel like uh, it's a bold move on their end to, you know, to go new gods. Well, I mean, they're seeing how Guardians of the Galaxy is doing on the Marvel side. I mean, they're... You know, they're definitely leaning cosmic on the Marvel movies coming up. I mean, you got Infinity War and all that stuff, so. I guess it's safe to assume Orion will probably be the, the headliner for that. I would guess. I really like the way they did Orion in the uh, Superman series, uh, animated series. Yeah, yeah. I really thought they nailed the character well, that kind of, like, haughtiness despite himself and that kind of thing. It was really, really good. So, I think that is everything in the news bucket, guys. Thanks for bearing with me there. There's quite a lot to go through. Um, if you'd like to keep up on all the DC TV and movie news, and join our Facebook group, as I mentioned, DC TV Podcast. It's on the Book of Face, as Jerry says. Yes, it is. Uh, we are up to 217 members, everybody. That is awesome. Yay. Thank you so much. There are actually 217 people who follow us on the Facebook, and I couldn't be more grateful. So our only ongoing DC show right now is Preacher, and I'm sorry, Q, if you don't watch Preacher, but you're about to have it spoiled for you unless you want to go for a while. And, <laughs> Have a smoke or a sandwich or something. <laughs> well, I, I am, for the record, I am a big Preacher fan, and uh, so far I do like the show. But yeah, just the last uh, two episodes, I downloaded them, but I just haven't watched them yet. I think it's starting to rev up. You know what I mean? I yeah, want them to get on the road. I really do. Like, uh, like, I like, yeah. want them to get on the road. And I, I thought Renee made a really good point at the in the last episode that yes, you know the the high point of that story where it really kicks into high is when they start the road trip. You know what I mean? And that's like. Mm-hmm. They're kind of still like kind of hanging out in in Texas for a while here, it's, and they're they're and they're bringing a lot. Of, I mean, if you've read the book, you know they're bringing a lot of story stuff that really wasn't in the book until much later. Um, yeah, they're trying to mix it up a bit. I noticed that. Well, they got to keep. I mean, they got to keep the watchers engaged so they can keep the show on because there there's a lot of shows that really showed promise that didn't make it. You know, in even past the even to the end of the first season, so they do kind of have to throw everything. You know front load at that kind of thing to get the viewers they need to do a second season which I heard they did which made me happy so. I think too they tend to change stuff to they they need a way to surprise hardcore fans even 
you know, like, uh, like obviously, you know, I'm assuming that all of us have read the book. So then, how do they surprise us if we know everything? You know what I mean? I, I think they, they, they'd be smart to take a like a page out of the Walking Dead recipe book. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, Except with un- have, enough like, known with unknown to where everybody's still guessing. Well, like the people who read the book can still recognize the characters mm-hmm. and still recognize some of the story beats, but like they've shuffled up. Right. Like major right. things so much that it it's deviated from what the Walking Dead story is in the book so much. I mean, Very true. I mean, you know, spo- spoiler for the first trade of Walking Dead, but Shane is dead like the first issue yeah, right. of Walking Dead, yes. and was and on the show for like three seasons. Right? He's amazing. I mean, he's what makes the show for a lot of people. Yeah, and uh, I, I I almost mentioned when we talked about Chad Coleman, but uh, his I never thought uh, his character got his due on the show the way he did in the book. Very true. Very true. Yeah, Tyrese is much better, much better in the book. But but look, wow, we've digressed once again. <laughs> wow, you're getting well, us off the train. <laughs> what a surprise! We've we've digressed again. With Apparently, surprise. with Shelby's uh, not the show, you're the uh, the rogue. Is that how this works? <laughs> well, if the if they they aren't here, I got to keep that kind of content in the show, right? That's very good. Keep everything. Okay. There has to be a balance in the force, right? Okay, balance in the well, force. Well, the first does create balance, yes. It's episode five, season one of Preacher, The South Will Rise Again, and don't you believe that, please. Seriously, I was like, uh, I was, I'm like, do you know, I, because I'm from Texas, and this is still said in the South. I'm like, oh, really? no doubt. What, 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 yeah, I lived in the South, I know. It's not like it's said anymore, right? Okay. It's said very seriously in the South, that's the sad part. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Heard the, the deliverance banjo in the background. Right, right. Um, this episode opens in, in the past in Ratwater, and when we're learning about the Saint of Killers, I'm going to go ahead and call him that. I'm sorry, guys, but that's who he is. Um, and it's kind of establishing his backstory uh, in a very, like, uh, like very Old West cliche town. <laughs> um, he, the, the guy uh, is going to get medicine for his daughter, but the, the guy at the apothecary says uh, it won't be ready until tomorrow. So he goes to the saloon where the guy asks him, do you want a horror room or a sleep room? I'm wondering which costs more. Um, probably the sleep room. Yeah. Sleep room would <laughs> yes. probably cost more. Yeah. Uh, the other option is a free chair that comes with a five dollar bottle of whiskey. So those are his three choices. Um, he stumbles across some uh, men attacking a woman as their child watches. It's kind of brutal. The next day he leaves his medicine. He rides past a tree full of hanging men. Yeah, there's a child that greets him in a covered wagon, and he's like, oh, our family's on the way to Ratwater, yippee-bye, and the cowboy, like, stops for a second, and then he decides to stop, uh, go back toward town to warn the family, but it turns out the family is coming into town to sell their Indian scalps. Gleefully. And, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, gleefully. Oh, here you go. Oh. And uh, as as the, uh, the, the cowboy uh, is watching all this, He's uh, confronted by a Union soldier who remembers that he fought for the Confederacy at Gettysburg. And he tells him, I had never seen a man more in love with killing than you. Um, and he shoots the cowboy's horse dead. Which upset um, me greatly, because horse. Yeah. yeah, the scalps of those people didn't bother you, but the I horse. I mean, you know, <laughs> what did the horse do? Those people probably did some stuff. I'm sure those people didn't do anything. I'm sure those people didn't do anything but live on the lands that their families have lived on for generations. But horses, they have pure souls. But people, people. I hear you saying I'd rather eat than horses. That's all I'm saying. No, I'm just saying people are more important than horses. Is that not how this works? 
There's a hierarchy. There's a circle of right, life. Can you drop me a diagram? Send it to my. Go watch the Lion King, okay? I can. All right, send it to my email and I'll check that out. Or watch Circle Circle of Pooh on South Park. Same deal. Uh, you know what? I could get down with that to just send that all over. So he gets home on foot and he finds uh, crows pecking at the corpses of his wife and daughter. And he straps on his gun belt, and that's the last that we see of him. Brutal. Yeah. Brutal and grim. Brutal and grim. Um. Flashback to the present day in Anvil. Jesse's discussing uh, church business uh, with Emily, and uh, meanwhile, you know he, he's accosted by hipster Christians. <laughs> That's a good Night Ranger song, if I may say. So hipster myself. Christians, <laughs> go and shave your mustache. That one guy's that one guy's hipster mustache was really annoying me. I just wanted to reach into the screen and shave it off. It's really bothering me. Yes. Um, Tulip questions Cassidy about his uh, vampire condition. Right. And I wrote, I wrote this down. Are you ready? Yeah, I, I did too. I was like, oh, this? Did, I was like checking Fang. off boxes. Yeah, go ahead. Please do. Fangs? Yep. No. Turn into a bat? No. <laughs> Sleep in a coffin? Not if I can help it. <laughs> Afraid of the cross? It's a 2,000-year-old symbol of hypocrisy, slavery, and oppression. But no, it won't exactly. burn my face off. <laughs> Brilliant. It basically says, you know, he prefers single malt of blood and the SPF helps in the sun, but the sun still like catch him on fire. Right. And uh, Tula warns him, hey, I've got a boyfriend. She kind of tells him, you know, uh, about the, uh, they have a flashback to Carlos leaving them behind on the job, you know, and she says that she's back to her for revenge. Okay. Somebody screwed them over. It took him like two years to track this guy down. Now, he always, and here's the quote, we lost everything because of him. It took two years to track him down. Now I have, now I've found him. All that's left is go over there, get him, tie him to a table, cut his freaking balls off, and over and over stab him in the face with a screwdriver. I mean, that's standard operating procedure, no? <laughs> but, uh, and Cassie's like, and your boyfriend said no to this? <laughs> uh, and Cass, of course, does not know, you know, of course, the Tulip's boyfriend that she's referring to is Jesse. Tulip tracks down Emily to find out where Jesse is, because he's kind of, you know, seems like he's avoiding or whatever. She kind of attacks Emily in the bathroom, <laughs> looking for Jesse. It was kind of um, awesome, though. <laughs> All tension. People are um, in line to talk to Jesse, and the one guy uses his word to tell him to be patient with his mother-in-law. And then Tulip jumps in line and asks what she should do about her fondness for bad boys. Bad boys like the one who shot a Komodo dragon in the face. See, and once and again, Jesse, Animal Jesse Crossing. Jesse, without missing a beat, says, they were going to eat that dragon anyway. They already had a barbecue spit set. <laughs> you killed the animal once again. Oh, okay. It's okay if a little boy or a little kid watches their mom get raped, but kill an, kill an animal. That's all I'm saying. A hypothetical animal that you didn't even see. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. That's, that's... <laughs> all right, edit that out. <laughs> this is TV. I mean... The animals affect me more. That's it. Uh, waitress interrupts uh, the Tulip and Jesse and says uh, uh, something outside wants to talk to him. Uh, it's uh, Eugene, a.k.a. Arseface. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody broke into his house and painted finished the job on a wall with an arrow pointing to a shotgun. And then his dad kind of made it clear that he kind of agreed with that sentiment. And Eugene is like uh, not, not doing too great. So Jesse decides to fix this by driving Eugene to Tracy Loach's house. And Tracy's mother sees Eugene in the truck. She goes after him with a baseball bat, screaming that he's a murderer. But Jesse uses the word on her to drop the bat, yep. step away from the truck, and then words her to forgive Eugene. And she does. 
And then on the way home, uh, the preacher is whistling, which seemed really cruel to me. It, it was very callous. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, look, dude, this dude has his face blown off. He can't whistle. I agree. Check it with the Queen Cannon crew, shall we? Uh, Donnie's uh, in bed, shamed by the multiple whoopings from Jesse. Um, his wife tells him the South will rise again. Oh, God. In all earnestness, out. too. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, Donnie makes it into work. He hears Queen Cannon trying to make amends with the mayor, testifying about how he's found his way thanks to Jesse Custer's preaching. Suddenly, Donnie puts some things together. It really, it took, the way this actor like played his face, dude, it looked like it really kind of hurt him to think. You know, you can almost see like the light bulb go off over his head. He asked him what the preacher said, and he said, and Queen Cannon says, he said to serve God, which I will from this day on. And then Donnie. He's having lunch with his wife and kind of breaks down and says, the preacher's got a power. He made me do things. I was just a puppet. I was just a cow in a maze. And uh, the more he upsets he gets, he gets more and more upset. And finally, he's like, you know, please don't screw Russell in accounting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And he cries on her shoulder and she promises that Jesse will get what he deserves. The uh, two others who want to help Jesse get what he deserves are Fiore and LeBlanc, the uh, cowboy hat-wearing Brits. They're hiding out in their hotel room where the mystic telephone just rings and rings and rings as they try to get their story straight for the folks upstairs. Um, a slight, massive security breach is how they decide to put it. <laughs> they both agree that it'll be the end of them if they don't handle it right. It's a bad, and when they go to answer the phone, the ringing stops. And evidently that's bad because they look at each other very scared. Tool's been thinking. She grabs a mask and a gun and to steal a bottle of opioids from a drugstore. She hands them over to Cassidy and they climb into her car and have sex in the backseat. And she this... did not look very happy to be having the sex in the backseat. No, no, that was a hate. <laughs> I'm going to bleep this out, but that was a hate <laughs> to be sure. Like... Yeah. And the thing is, the way it, the same thing happened in the book, but it happened way later and it happened oh, when okay. Jesse was oh, dead. It's showing she's the kind of emotionally wrecked person that could just kind of tune out in that way and act out on it. Um, LeBlanc and Fiore roll into the diner and Jesse thinks that they're about Dallas, but no. They tell him they've been giving his best buddy all the money Jesse demanded for drugs and prostitutes. And now they want to make their trade for what's inside of him. Jesse's confused on where Cass was negotiating for him. (laughs) And even more confused when LeBlanc and Fiore say they're from heaven. As in the sky above? (laughs) Uh, yeah, and they've been watching him use his new power, and now they want it back. Uh, Fury pulls out a dented can. Yeah, oh, it's like a, yeah, it's like an old-school, like, coffee can, like, circa right. 1940 or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and, but Jesse's not buying what they're selling. He asks how God fits into a can of coffee. But the heavenly ambassador's telling him, oh, it's not God that's inside of you. We don't find anything else, because <laughs> that's where they end it. Um, they close the episode with Queen Cannon. He and the mayor meet. Uh, with three suits from Green Acres, the competing company. And uh, his new outlook on life has changed his mind, and the Green Acres people are glad to hear he's taking his company in a new direction. So Queen Cannon pulls out a shotgun and murders the crap out of the Green Acres people. <laughs> Girl, we yeah. die, tells the mayor. Um, that's an interesting way of serving God. I mean, the whole shot not kill thing you know, usually is part well, of Well, I mean, yeah, but that's for humans. Those are the laws for humans. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, do, I do like the way the town is called Anvil. Yes, I do. Kind of cool. I do kind of like that, yeah. Here's the thing, though. The, the Quinn Cannon in the book mm-hmm. did a lot worse stuff, like more disgusting okay. stuff than this one. Gotcha. All right. That's 
I, 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 I don't do want to. Should I? I don't think I should really go into detail on that. No, I do want to go back and read if, it. I do want to go and read it since I have it. If you've read the book, you know what I'm talking about. All right. Yep. If you don't, you could probably imagine something pretty disgusting and just go from that. But it's probably worse than what you're imagining because it was pretty bad. Preacher was actually one of our comic book clubs uh, books in Comic Nerdgasm. <laughs> Oh yeah, so you know what I'm talking about, you know. His, his, uh, I give this episode a B. This is one of the better episodes that I've seen in this show so far. Um, I'm still having trouble with Dominic Cooper as Jesse, but I'm digging the portrayals of Tulip and Cass. Uh, I like the guy who's playing Arseface. I think he's doing a good job there. He's amazing. Uh, B plus. Yeah. B plus. I I think it really moved the story along a lot better than the last few episodes did. I was a little. It was getting kind of laggy. And I've been hurt hearing yeah. some complaints and stuff, but this episode was back on track with what I wanted it to be. So. Right. It covered a lot of ground, too. It did. Like it did. was just all over the place, and I love characters like that, where you just really, you kind of think you know what they're capable of, but then, you know, they do something you wouldn't have expected even, so... Yeah, I just um, I, I I have I have the same reservations, like I said, that Renee said in the last episode about how... You know, the story really didn't kick in until they go on the road and things like that. And, like, um, I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm kind of missing that aspect of the story, having read the book. I guess if I hadn't read the book, I wouldn't miss it. It sounds so. like she was trying to kind of capture that when she was, you could just tell, like, in her body language, she was so anxious to, we've got to leave here. You know, this is what yeah. we're meant to do is to get out of here. It kind of hinted that maybe that's where they're going or that's where, you know, it should go if it doesn't, so... Yeah, Quinn Cannon in the book like shows up in like a pr- probably like Trade Five or something, and okay. he's in he's in a town called Salvation, Texas, that Jesse goes to to get away from uh, all the other stuff that's happened with him and God and everything. But anyway, Great. yeah, I think I think it's starting to find its way. The first few episodes were kind of slow, and again, Dominic Cooper. I don't know if he's ever going to be my perfect Jesse pick on the casting, but. It's been improving. I think it's getting better as it goes along. So. Who would you pick? I don't know. I really I thought about this too, and I really don't know. If I could go back in time and get a twenty year old or twenty five year old Bruce Campbell, that's what I'd be. Essential wise cracking. Yeah, he would add that whole he would add that whole sarcastic air to it that I really think. I mean, Jesse doesn't take any crap in the book, and he's very down to earth and everything. But he also has that kind of World weary sarcasm, you know, that kind of. Mary Jennifer Aniston, you can do that that role, that kind of wisecracking. I don't know who Mary. I'm talking about Justin something or other. Okay, um, he's in the the leftovers. I think it's on cable, and it's about. And I think that has Salvation Texas in it too, because they all go there because that's where no people got taken when the rapture happened. Yeah. I, I, I have no idea, but I will, right. I will Google this real quick and, and tell you what I think. Perfect. But yeah, I can't, I'm trying to think of an actor now that I would that I would yeah. give that role to. I don't know. I um, can't think of anybody off the top of my head. What about you, Jer? Other than this guy? This is the guy. Justin Thoreau. Yes. That's who I think. Justin Thoreau. I think he could do it. Huh. Well, he kind of looks like it, yeah. <laughs> he kind of has that looks smooth... Like... I'm, I think I'm thinking of his character from... Um, was it was it Bulletproof Monk, I think, where he was like the underworld kind of leader? Or not, I don't know. It was one of those where he was like leader of this underground kind of punk group. I can't remember what movie it was. It might have been Bulletproof Monk. It might not have. Not sure. But, but yeah. I could I have an idea to waste time on the show. 
Preacher, by the way, has been picked up for a second season already. So congratulations to AMC and all that. I guess it's getting the ratings they want. So hopefully we'll see, you know, Hairstar and some of the other story, you know, that come, happens later on. Okay, now it's time for our video viewing club. Do, 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 do. This is the one segment of the show that um, Jerry got to host last week. He did. Really cool. yeah, uh, that, was, that was pretty fun. Uh, <laughs> as you know, we're, we're going through all of the, uh, the um, Bruce Tim and uh, Paul Denny uh, Justice League uh, episodes. And by the way, Paul Denny just had a book come out all about his own personal relationship with Batman and how it kind of saved his life after he was attacked in a violent crime. Oh, wow. um, that just came out. It's called Dark Knight, N-I-G-H-T. And uh, I don't know. I've heard it's great. It's getting a lot of good reviews. But uh, Paradise Lost originally aired. Uh, the first one we're going to be talking about tonight, Paradise Lost, uh, episodes 10 and 11 of season one. It originally aired January 21st, 2002, wow. and January 28th, uh, 2002. And uh, this is the uh, the first time we really get a little more in-depth on this universe is Wonder Woman, because we uh, we start out the episode with like a, a hurricane situation and... Uh, they're saving people left and right, and Wonder Woman saves a little girl, and the little girl runs to her mother, and it makes her kind of think about her own mom, so much so that a light post almost falls on her, and Superman feels the need to save her, even though, I mean, she's invulnerable. It would have just right, hit her. Right, what could have done? Yeah, have but been... Superman feels the need to, like, tackle her and take her out of the way, you know. Well, it's a perfectly good traffic light that was already falling to the ground to crush. <laughs> Yeah, I thought I liked how she called the girl little sister, and the little girl was like, "No, I'm not. I'm not your sister, or whatever." Yeah, because it just shows how you know the Amazonian, um, you know, mindset is. Yeah, they're all family, right. regardless. And that sounds like something a little kid would say too. My my little one's like, you know, okay. be like, "Hey, bro," and he'd be like, "I'm not your bro." Yeah, very literal. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so Diana decides it's time to go back to Themyscira. And as she's talking to herself, in the, and by the way, she took a jet. If you notice, she did not take the invisible plane. I noticed that. Or oh, I was wondering if that was the invisible hasn't. plane, but it wasn't invisible at that time. Like, <laughs> No, because Batman is able to track her because she took one of the Justice League javelins, uh, which is like, you know, Avenger Quinjet or whatever, you know, Shield Quinjet or whatever. It's just one of those uh, handy uh, air travel devices they have laying around, I guess. Mm. <laughs> but, um,. She's going back to Themyscira, kind of talking, you know, hi, mother, you know, I, no, I was in my room for seven yeah, months. Yeah, she practiced the conversation. I love that part. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was very endearing for the character and kind of, you know, placing, it really gave us an idea, a sense of emotionally where she was coming from, you know, going back home. Now, mind you, this is a, a demigod Amazonian princess, but she's practicing what she's going to say to her mom on the way there. You know what I mean? It just really... It's very humanizing, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Super relatable, too. We've all been there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but as I was saying, she's driving, she's flying in a, a um, Justice League javelin and lands on Themyscira, and all of her Amazonian sisters have been turned to stone, uh, including her mother. All have been turned to stone, and this is the work of Mr. Felix Faust. Uh, Felix Faust is one of the original uh, Justice League uh, um, villains as well, I think coming from Justice League 53, the original run, and um, he ends up playing out in this series as well. He ends up becoming a uh, disembodied ghost at one point, and the, uh, the the magical character that was in the Secret Society of Supervillains later in the Justice League Unlimited series, uh, he kind of uh, you know, mentors her. Um, 
this whole gateway to hell thing shows up later when they get the uh, destructor armor. Wait, stop there. They... It's not hell. It's the underworld. You don't want to mix metaphor. Sorry. I mean, because one is... <laughs> no, I mean, it's a, it's an important distinction to make. Because what yeah. we say is hell is supposed to be some kind of place where you're punished and there's a devil, but if you go with their mythology, it's really just where the souls go after they live on the earth. Right. Not, it's not really damnation. Okay, got it. Plus, plus, you couldn't say hell on a kid's cartoon. Anyway, so. Oh, right. Underworld it is. <laughs> yeah. Starring Kate Beckinsdale. Anyway, um, <laughs> Diana gets there, and uh, Felix is like, look, I have turned them all to stone. He has a Medusa medallion type situation. Yeah, Versace, it. Versace, 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 Versace. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> you and your Versace. Um, you're working into every episode. I logo. Whatever. Hey, Sheldon's anyway. not here. I have to bring the music. <laughs> you, have to bring the, you have to bring the dick jokes? Is that what you said? I said you I have to bring the music, but I'll, I'll work on the dick jokes. I will work on them, okay? I was going to say, if Sheldon's not here, somebody's got to, right? I know. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and then Omar came out. <laughs> oh, come on, Daryl. Enough of that. <laughs> okay, I think, I think we've done... Too many references to the last episode. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, please don't send hotel security for me. Yeah, we podcasted too loud. We got busted. We had we had shut down. Oh no. Oh yeah, we got banned in the Charlotte Weston. <laughs> yeah, they shut us down. Yeah. Censorship. <laughs> yeah, man. The man didn't like what we were we were talking about. So. Uh Faust kind of blackmails Wonder Woman and uh, says, Look, you have to give me these parts to this thing, this key. It's magical doohickey, whatever you want to call it. Yes. Uh, it will open the gates of Tartarus. And then she's choose, she has to choose between saving her family or damning the world. And she decides to trust her friends. And she brings in the rest of the Justice League in on it, except for... It's like Hot Girl. Yeah, it wasn't the entire Justice League. They always kind of leave somebody it behind. It became very uh, Clash of the Titans-ish. Very... They also left oh. out um, John Stewart. Oh, I didn't even notice they left out John Stewart. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm thinking this might be where, you know, Hawk Girl and um, John Stewart are, like, you know, having a little... Have a little... Uh, time, you know, and, yeah, uh, no, I get it. Kind of working out that Warhawk situation in the future timeline, you know what I mean? Hey, I don't know. <laughs> I'm spending some time together on monitor duty up in the satellite all alone. Said yeah. duty. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I, I'm just I, saying. Yeah. Monitor duty and chill. <laughs> Yeah. Here, let me construct a bed for us, Hawkeye. That's the new hashtag. That's the new hashtag. Monitor duty and chill. Yes. They uh they go after the different parts and they they have to go through all the thing. Well, the one part, you know, uh, Superman and Wonder Woman end up having to fight because it causes an illusion to think the other one <clears throat> is a demon. So it basically gives us a chance to see Wonder Woman kick the crap out of Superman. In that Which one. would happen. <laughs> it was an illusion. They each thought they were fighting a monster, but they oh, no, yeah, yeah, they showed that. Yeah, it's like one of my favorite uh, scenes in like the whole season, actually. The only way Superman is able to stop her uh, relentlessly being on him, he figures it out first, right? And he points to a mirror, and she sees in the mirror that Superman. It shows uh, you once and for all, like Wonder Woman can really hold her own with these guys. You know, she she was kicking his ass. Yo, totally. And I'm so glad they wrote her at that power level in this cartoon. Finally. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's where she should be. Yeah. You know what I mean? She should definitely be at that power level for sure. You know what I'd like to point out, too, is that the, the crazy thing about like Justice League and stuff like that is and this episode really, really showed it, which is um, 
how easy they mix magic and science because here it is you're watching this stuff with all these you know uh, they're talking about Hades and magic, and she's fighting golems, and they're they think they're fighting demons and stuff. All the time, all all this is going on. There, there's a Kryptonian and a Martian, and they're fly, flying, uh, you know, jets and stuff like that. All that is all in the same show, and nobody bats an eye or notices. Like, oh, this is kind of crazy. You know what I mean? Like it all yeah. together. Right. It's not all one or the other like we usually see. It's just everything. You know, it's it's it's, it's the robot versus the dragon or. Whatever. Like whatever you want to see, <laughs> yeah. I think the best part is that they didn't feel the need to overexplain it. True. Yeah. It's kind of like this is this, this is this. Like, They're in the same world. Deal with like, it. Wait, did you not realize that uh, Greek mythology was not myth? Oh, sorry. <laughs> do I need to, do I need ten minutes of exposition no. to explain everything? Just keep up. No. Just keep up. Give me two minutes of character moment with Wonder Woman on the way there, and I know everything I need yeah. to know. I you know no emotionally what I need to know, and factually, you don't need. The giant info dump at the beginning, like so many movies and, and so many TV shows do. True. Or the voiceover narration. Right, exactly. Yes. Flash and John have to fight, uh, John John just have to fight a giant uh, snake. Uh, eventually, we find out the key is to open the gates of Cerberus because Hades has offered Felix ultimate knowledge. Okay, guys, how many times have we seen this? So the legendary player <laughs> is offering things to you. Let me jump on that offer. <laughs> yeah, oh, sure. Ultimate knowledge. Hmm. I wonder what that could be. Well, that could be in well. This is why... Hmm, that's, that it sounds so good, that though. It's think. ultimate, it's like you know? got kicked out of Eden. It's ultimate. Just Adam couldn't keep it in his pants. That's why I'm right there. Um, we also find out in, in this episode about Hades and Hippolyta's relationship. And they do it in a style of Greek pottery drawings. I thought it was pretty cool. You know, yeah, you, you see it's in the past, and um, there's some really good color work there in the, the, That's as true. Well. Yeah, I like it. Faust opens the gate. Hades comes through. He wants to, he wants to uh, you know, have a booty call again with Hippolyta. Hippolyta's like, I don't <laughs> think so. And uh, Hades summons, like, this undead army. And there's, like, all these kind of very... Now, this is what reminded me of Clash of the Titans, uh-huh. or, like, Ray Harryhausen, or, you know, like, um, oh, no, I'm going to... Oh, the Seventh Voyage of Sinbad with the skeletons and right. the swords and stuff. Well, that was Sinbad. And, and, yeah, it reminded me of uh, Sinbad. <laughs> What uh, yeah. I was thinking is like they had like the Spartan armor on, so I'm like, holy crap, this is like a, a Kryptonian and a Martian fight, and an Amazonian princess fighting an army of undead Spartans. Sure, I should do. <laughs> Where's the giant crab when you did? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Some we skipped over, which I thought was hilarious, was when Flash picks up the item, the magic item in the room, and it blasts the wall. And Batman's like, hey, put that down, you know, don't touch anything. Everything in here is dangerous. And when he says it, everyone else drops stuff. Yeah. Because everybody else Don't touch that. That was Batman's part in the, in the thing. You know, John and Flash went to get one piece, Superman and Wonder Woman got another, and Batman followed up on Felix Faust. Yes. And they kind of all gathered around, like you said, Q, and, uh, and he, that's where he had the scene, you know, don't touch that. Everything's <laughs> dangerous in here. Um, so they could, you know, they're kind of figuring out who Felix Faust is and, you know, how to, how to stop him. Interestingly enough, in Justice League Unlimited, we find out that Hades is Diana's father. Yes. Specifically that he was with Hippolyta when they made Diana out of clay. Yeah. Which was the original, like, old school, golden age. Right. Origin of Wonder Woman. So. That's true. I thought that was interesting. Um, especially we see the, the tension between Apollo and Hades in this, and that plays out later in that, you know. Yeah, they do, yeah. Like, what did you ever see in them, you know, ancient history? Oh, but I'm bummed. But I'm bummed. <laughs> yeah. 
I think uh, as soon as they um, revived Hippolyta, as soon as she, you know, she convinced him like to um, bring her back from stone to flesh, the first thing out of her mouth was, you brought men to the island? Yeah. Right. Uh, not thank you, not, oh my god, you know, uh, now we can fight for our... Right. Oh, you brought men to the island? And that plays out at the very end, too. They've lived in safety for that many centuries. I mean, you don't bring men to the island. You don't even allow men to stay on the island. You have baby boys, and they got to go. So it makes sense, but it, it's cold. I mean, it's not as cold as killing a, like shooting a Komodo dragon in the head, but pretty cold. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Wonder Woman uh, pull, has to pull out the key, phallic symbol, and um, uh, shut out, the yeah. gates. Shut the gates to, to of Cerberus, you know, and Hades gets sucked through, and he uses his tongue to hold on to Hippolyta, and Diana like has to dig her fingers into the stone to like keep from being sucked into the underworld, and then Vagina finally the vagina symbol opening to a yeah, the whole case and everything, <laughs> yeah, and the mom and the daughter, yeah, a little bit, a little yeah, bit. thanks, the gates, yeah. <laughs> And they, they make it, and of course, you know, Hades gets sucked into Hades, and Felix Faust gets ultimate knowledge by getting killed. But he does, as I said, show up uh, later in the series. I really, I, I really appreciate the, the continuity in the series a lot, too. I mean, there's the things that are laid down in this episode that go on and on, like throughout the, uh, the whole run, uh, which is always interesting to me, and kind of, I would think, a good cue to DC Comics maybe to simplify their continuity, but hey. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I, just some straight notes, and, and then we can talk about anything I missed. Um, the girl that Wonder Woman saves at the beginning is named Cassie. Mm-hmm. Maybe a shout-out to Cassie Sandsmark, Wonder Girl. She was also blonde. Nice, I didn't even catch that. Um, the Tropical Storm is named Gardner, after Gardner Fox. Yeah, yeah that uh, I caught. Yeah, he wrote yeah, Justice League. He was one of the first writers. It was interesting. Uh, did, did one of those demons in the Wonder Woman-Superman fight remind you of a parademon? Like the way the wings were and stuff. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah, no, I know what you're talking. Because I was trying to, I was like, is that a gargoyle? Is that a demon? Is that yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's uh, the whole part with uh, um, when Hades gets uh, mad near the end, it turns into kind of Wolf Hulk, three tongued, Trigon looking guy. It's true, uh, as she put it. Hippolyta says something. Oh, now that's true form. And uh, of course, at the end with uh, the ceremony before um, she gets banished, Wonder Woman gets banished from her mother. You know, Flash is like, she wants me. <laughs> and John John looks at him. He's like, indeed. Right. Like, uh, Flash is a perv as per usual. <laughs> oh yeah. Seriously, but, uh, he's just good. all in. We get the big Star Wars scene at the end where um, they're given you know, golden laurels and the thanks of all, everyone at Themyscira. But go Independence Day. See, as you mentioned earlier, she Diana brought men to Themyscira, and that is inexcusable in the laws of their people. It gets herself exiled. So she gets exiled conveniently for the story too, because I mean that way she gets to stay with the Justice League. True. Yeah. Like why else would she just stay? True. They leave, and you know, of course the. the Flash is like, oh, come on. And he's like all mad and stuff. And Batman is just like, hey, don't make this any harder than it already is. You know, her, she had to exile her own daughter, for God's sake, Flash. Back the hell off. Sure. So this is family <laughs> stuff. She's like, yeah, no. So, and then they uh, fly off into the sunset. Happily ever after. Yeah, so that, that's, uh, that's Paradise Lost. So it's uh, 10 and 11. What do you guys think? Hey, I loved it. It was so dense with, with references and content and 
I love mythology regardless and the way it just they just kind of posited it there and like here yeah of course Greek mythology wasn't mythology of course you're supposed to believe all this exists it was, it was good I liked it yeah I, I did too I loved it um especially because I've always been a big fan of Wonder Woman and so the just the way that they went into her background a bit and it, they didn't even have to do a bunch of flashbacks on an origin story or something like that they they went on with this original story and it was came out really good and it, it had enough of background in it that you know it fleshed out her character fleshed out their characters more they they show what the JL is about where it's more than about just knocking heads like the the whole the whole two-parter began with them rescuing people you know what I mean right yeah it wasn't just about like oh let's go beat people up so you know what? I, I have to say, like, I think like maybe the movies could take some tips from this. I think so too. I think as far as like the the idea of of like a little lighter touch, maybe a little more fun, and definitely the continuity. I, I mean, basically they're doing to the Justice League the same thing they did to Batman and Superman. Their animated series is pick and choose from what worked in the continuity right. for the character. Did like a postmodern pastiche of all the best parts of that character and made a cartoon of it. And I think they did that here with Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman has a very convoluted continuity over you know, the, the 60s, 70 years she's been in comics. To take the best parts of that and kind of distill it down and give us a character that we can relate to and, and enjoy in the cartoon, I think, is quite a feat. You know. And to so. have her, like you said, at her full power level, not to kind of neuter her or make her seem like she's on the level with the rest of the superheroes. I mean, she's more. She is. Yeah, okay. definitely. Like that. For sure. Uh, okay, we're going to War World. Oh, man, yeah. this this one was crazy to me because it showed, especially because it's the very next two episodes. So it went from Clash of the Titans to Starsky and Hutch in space. <laughs> yeah, and, and, a, and a little touch of Gladiator, yeah, too. Metaphor, a little, yeah. little bit of sure. Gladiator there, too. Are you not entertained? And all of it. Uh, this uh, was uh, uh, episodes uh, 12 and 13. They originally aired on February 24th, 2002. And March 3rd, 2002. And um, it starts out, it's based on uh, a story by Roger Stern and, and Carrie Gamble in uh, Superman number 32. Uh, but that was a little more Planet Hulky, like Superman like had the, right. did the Hercules thing and wore a headband and had like an S Shield toga to fight Mongol and stuff. Uh, so this is kind of an, an adapted version of that by Stan Berkowitz, who's the, the director. Um, uh, John and, and Superman are testing some asteroids for uh, chemicals or whatever, and there's an explosion, and they lose contact with the uh, uh, the watchtower where uh, Hawkgirl and Green Lantern are on monitor duty, like I said. So monitor duty <laughs> and chill. And chill. Exactly, that's what I said. Sign me that's up for I that. <laughs> Um, the resultant explosion like knocks them you know, way the hell away, and they are found by a slaver ship. Uh, run by Mongol, who is voiced by Eric Roberts, everybody. Really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't yeah, either. Yeah. Wow. Um, Before his career Mongol. jumped the shark bus, right? Yeah, well, I, I don't know. This is a 2000, so yeah, he's so. probably doing those best of the best movies. Yes, exactly. You know? Before his career jumped Did like six or seven of those on Cinemax or something, or direct-to-DVD or both. Yes. So. But yeah, anyway, Eric Robertson's. By the way, I just want to. I just love the use of like some of my favorite character actors in this cartoon. Okay. I mean, Clancy Brown, Michael Ironside, Eric Roberts. You know, it's pretty great. 
Superman and John, like I said, disappeared because they're taken under a slaver ship owned by Mongol. And we cut to Mongol, who is hosting his WWE situation um, on War World. And he has a prize um, warrior named Draga, who has been the champion several times. And he pits him against this giant octopus-looking dude that has all these, like, attachments. <laughs> they send him to this other planet called War World. Which is, uh, you know, like I said, their their sport and entertainment, and it turns out that um, their their ratings have been down because Draga is too good. There's like a rebellion uh, going on, and they're using the whole bread and circuses thing to quell the rebellions uh, that are going on. Uh, if you, Mongo keeps saying, if you can give them good fights, keep their minds off their troubles. So it's like back in the gladiator time when you had. Just whatever, that was the, the entire form of entertainment, period. The resultant uh, meeting between Superman and Draga um, on the war world, Draga realizes that Superman is honorable. Yeah. Superman, by standing up to um, to Draga and refusing to kill him, and Draga like carves an S into his chest to remind him of the one man who humbled him and beat him. All, all very uh, Planet Hulky, which came later, obviously, oddly enough, but very okay. much reminded me of that kind of thing. Um. Hawkgirl and Green Lantern team up to find him, and they kind of start laying that groundwork for their future relationship. Yeah. They kind of bicker at each other, you yeah. know? Yeah, it's like, you were supposed to be watching them. Well, I was watching them, and now they're not there, you know? <laughs> it's they're, like, insulting by flirting and then, like, beating up aliens as foreplay. There was even I mean, a bar fight. Hawkgirl, yeah, she actually gets into a, a bar fight on another planet. It was crazy. It's the second time we've had that because she got into a bar fight in uh, in Blackest Night too. That's true, yes. She fights the Green Lantern Corps guys all of them except <laughs> Kilowog in a bar. Yeah, it, it, she beat everyone because Kilowog didn't stand up. Now, if Kilowog <laughs> would have been a whole another bar fight. Eventually, Superman stands up to Mongol and it shows the citizens of War World that they don't have to allow Mongol to impoverish them. People start beginning putting S Shield graffiti around the city. Draga, you know, burns, like I said, burns an S into his chest as a reminder to a man who took away his honor. Um, but uh, the, the instead of originally being a punishment, then Draga has the opportunity to kill Mongol. The letter becomes representative of Draga's acceptance of Superman's values. And rather than kill Mongol, Draga just beats him until he's unconscious, screaming, this is for my people, this is for my humiliation, this is for Jossas, and just beats the hell. Um... Butch Lukic directed this episode, by the way. Action heavy, all over the place. Very uh, yeah. We got to see John show off his moves in the ring. That was cool. Yeah. Um, I always think they underuse him because I mean he's got such a huge power set. You know what I mean? It's almost like the same problem you have writing Superman. Yeah. Because uh, you know he's too good at too many things or whatever. But plus he has his shape changing abilities you know, and stuff. Yeah, he's Superman plus. You know, really. Yeah. yeah. They also mention, but they mentioned in this one part that he's like, John can't use all of his powers because something in the atmosphere. Oh, that's right. That's how they kind of brought him down a little notch. Yeah, that's right. So the focus is more on Superman this episode. But I mean, this is really good thing. Uh, this was a really good episode to kind of show the idea of Superman yeah. being more powerful than Superman himself. Yeah. And uh, it, this is also like in the first season when they're trying to make Superman a little bit older. They still have that kind of gray tone to his hair. Uh -huh. <clears throat> Something I noticed uh, that they moved away from in later seasons. Oh, I didn't notice that. Well, I haven't seen the whole season. Lines on his face too, to make a, and it made him look older. 
Right, exactly. Fun. They even told um, the uh, the voice actor to try to make him a little older in the first season. Um, just some uh, stray observations. Uh, John Stewart really needs to use his imagination more. Like all he ever draws is laser beams, walls, and bubbles. You know what I mean? And I mean that's his brand. Give I mean, me that's... a jackhammer. Give me a boxing glove. Come on, dude. Yeah, but he's not an artist. He's he's you know a cop. Well, he's an architect. He should have done. I mean, he should be able to do more than that. Come I on. Hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. But there are other lanterns that do. There are lanterns that are. Yeah. Left brain that do all the stuff. I really, uh, I dug the part where they they kind of put a little bit of the Superman theme music in the score. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I did know. When that. he had that heroic moment with Dragon and stuff, yeah. they like that. Dun, dun, dun. that was it cool. was subtle though. They kind of like mixed it in. Yeah. Hawk Girl destroys Mongol's cannon by smacking the energy beam with her mace. <laughs> so you got high tech and really, really, really low sure. tech. <laughs> it's like luddite and technology in this. <laughs> yeah. And then my my favorite line of the episode, Draga, the real test of honor isn't how you die, it's how you live. That sounds like something Morgan Freeman should say. A real test of honor isn't how you die. That's how you live. That is the crappiest Morgan Freeman I've ever heard. Thank you so much. <laughs> you are most welcome. Working on it for decades. So. I'm so glad that I could correct you. <laughs> Thanks so much. I can stop stop now after literally working on it since even before I knew who Morgan Freeman was. So. You know what? That sounds like something you would do. Exercise. Well, thanks. Facility. You're welcome. I give this one an A. I really like this episode. It adapts one of my favorite things from the comics. Eric Roberts is great as Mongol. Draga is a great character. It's, it's a great episode. I just liked it a lot. So, A. Same. A. It was beautiful. Yeah, it was everything I wanted it to be. It was really cool. You got to really see everybody shine like they're supposed to. I hadn't, I hadn't find any fault with this episode. And usually I can like dig and find something, and I didn't. I just really like how we're starting to get the chemistry between John and and um, and Chiara. Okay. In this, you know. Yeah. So I thought that was I thought that was a cool um you know as the series goes on I thought that was a cool uh, um, relationship especially in like Starcrossed where. You know, her the Thanagarians come to take over, oh, and she starting on that one. <laughs> yeah, I know. And she ends up having to go go back on her, you know, go back to the Thanagarians and stuff, and betray humanity and all that. And you know, just when they were starting to like hook up and stuff. And... Okay. That's my favorite kind of love story. It's always like the doomed star cross lover. It's like it's so freaking tragic. It's never gonna work, but you burn so bright in that little tiny moment in time. I think I was. Fed Shakespeare too early, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say, too much Romeo and Juliet for you, dude. I'm not going to argue with you, okay? You know? All love is tragic in my head, so it makes sense in my head. All love is tragic, huh? It is. Maybe you're not doing it right. I don't I mean, I'm, hey, I, mean, I never said I would. <laughs> <laughs> who am I to say? I have never claimed to do it right. <laughs> Our next episodes uh, that we'll be going over from the Justice League for everyone keeping score at home. Will be the brave and the bold, which are the uh, the Flash and Green Lantern episode with Gorilla Grodd, Grodd, and uh, Fury, which is the one where the uh, an Amazon decides to kill all the men in the world. Oh yeah, and they're done. Yeah. There, there was a seventies TV movie like that where it had this order and they and the, their symbol they had like little necklaces. Their symbol was like the bow and arrow. There was a TV movie like that, and so they were like, the last man. No, 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 not the, not a. I said a TV movie in the seventies. See. But yes, the Why the Last Man did have that agenda, yes. But no, they literally, all these high-placed female, like, corporate world and politicians, they were 
going to do away with men because they saw all the evil men did. My, my absolute favorite will be the week after next because we're doing Legends. That's the one where they end up in like the Golden Age uh, superhero world with the Justice Guild. We're like the Justice Society and everything's old-timey and stuff. You'll see it when we get there. It's great. Uh, anyway, we are, um, as I mentioned before, join the Facebook group if you want to stay posted on everything. We're still doing our award show. I think that'll probably be the next episode we do. Uh, because we'll have all four of us back on. So I will put up the nominations this week on the Facebook group. So go there and vote. Or else we're just going to make up the name of the winners. And we won't listen to you. No, I'll, I'll decide them all because I decide things. Right, she'll decide. Yeah, she drinks and, decide. She drinks and she decides things. <laughs> I drink she and I decide exactly. You like can our uh, join or check out Comic Nerdgasm Facebook groups. You can... Meet my boy Q, who filled in the last minute for our absentee fellow podcast. Yeah, thanks a lot for being on, man. Appreciate that. Oh, thank you. Thanks for the invite again, man. Hey. That's Comic Nerdgasm on the Facebooks, and uh, check that out. Join that group. Um, if you like Geeky Podcasts, I imagine you do, then check out HHWLOD.com. We have there our Star Trek retrospective is going on. There's also the Walking Dead TV podcast you can find there. Uh, the Whedonverse podcast is, is being hosted there as well as this podcast. And uh, if you check out all those possibilities and you still want more, head over to the Taylor Network of Podcasts and you will find even greater plethora of podcasting goodness there, including Nothing's On. Uh, just show I do with Daryl and, and Donnie about TV and movies. Um, no Apologies. Uh, Comic Rack Snark Fest and Arts and Crap and uh, JK's Happy Hour and so many, so many shows that I can't even keep them all track in my mind. So, by all means, the TaylorNetworkPodcast.com, also a great place as a clearinghouse for all your entertainment and geeky news. Uh, a lot of good uh, news releases and press releases get posted there. Um, if you want to keep up on that kind of thing, it's a good place to go. So until next time, thanks again, Q, for filling in. Really appreciate it. Jerry, as always, pleasure. Thank you very much, and we are ghosts. Good night.